Happy New Year to you, basketball trainers. I am whispering because others are asleep in the area that I'm in. I want to introduce this podcast with Ben Tier. It is only right that this is the first podcast of the new year because Ben Tier is an underrated basketball trainer and a great mind in this space. And in general, we talk about personal finances, specifically the benefit of paying off all your debt, contracts for the gyms that you want to be in, and Ben's involvement in regards to his philosophy of social media. So without further ado, enjoy this episode, which is going to kick off 2022. And I hope it is everything that you envisioned. I spent the last three years learning from some of the best business minds inside the game of basketball. And now I've left my nine to five to create freedom and have fun while doing it. So the question is, how are hoopers and basketball fanatics like us using those same skills that gave us success on the court to give us success in our new sport of business? This podcast will give you the answer. Join me as I learn, apply, share knowledge, and change lives through the game that changed mine. My name is Myson Jones, and welcome to the Basketball to Business Podcast. live right now coach Ben here how are you i'm great man how are you good family doing well man two young guys yep family's great man we this is our third one and this one is going to be the the most impactful one i can already tell so let me ask you this what could you share your preparation for this interview and why you went through the links to to do it yeah i think i think for me, over the last six years of training, I've made a lot of mistakes and I've kind of, you know, where, where I am and where I live, I've had to do a lot on my own um, where, you know, it's kind of far away from the normal relationship. I can't drive an hour and a half to, you know, a, a, a big time trainer where I could ask or, you know, get advice or see them face to face. And, um, you know, so, so for me, I think the first two conversations we had I felt like I, I I went back and listened. I great I gave great information, but um, I wasn't very you know I didn't really know where I was going with with my business. I didn't really have an idea of my long term goals. I didn't understand my numbers. I love how you mentioned that in a lot of different podcasts, um, you know. And I just I didn't understand how to I think relay what I was trying trying to get across as well as I could have. Um, so obviously being older, going through more, and then having an idea of of where I want to go and where I want to take this. I think I can you know, kind of put it all together towards the listener that whether you're new, you're in the middle, or, you know, you are at like a, a level where you have ownership and gyms and stuff. I think I can help almost any, any type of trainer, no matter where you're at in your journey. I love it. So you, maybe you've got a lot that you are doing that is different from the last time we spoke. Let's go ahead and start with the, the recruiting. So what you, what I think the biggest addition has been is the recruiting agency, the showcases. When did you start that? And what was the purpose? After after the pandemic, I got to really sit down and think like, you know, long-term, what do I want to do? And I always kept going back to like, I want to make an impact on my state. Um, and then for me, I was, you know, um, I was a player that because I lived in a very small area, I lived in a town with a population of about 2,000. Um, I was about four hours away from the nearest eight, like major AAU team when I was in high school. I really didn't have a chance to get like that exposure. Like I thought I, I could have gotten, I didn't get a chance to play against competition. Like I think I could have gotten. And so that was kind of my mission was in the pandemic. I thought, how can I make an impact on my state? 
And then it went back to, well, what would I need when I was younger? You know, and, and, it, and it kept going in, in circles where um, I wanted to put something together where I could help the exposure for my state. Because um, for those that don't know, in Maine, we have to go outside of the state to get exposure, to get these, you know, um, high tournaments where you're getting, you know, the, the um, oh, what are they called? The platinum brackets, where that's where the coaches are normally going to see the players. Um, but that takes a specific AAU program that takes a specific record. And it was just, you know, not everyone had that same opportunity where I lived to be able to get on those type of teams. And so now basically I'm bringing my, I'm taking my social media following, my expertise um, and, you know, my understanding of the entire state and I'm kind of putting that all in one package and, and bringing coaches to us through social media, through videos and, you know, through my contacts. Um, and I'm excited, man. Like it's, it's, it's been a game changer so far for a lot of athletes. You think it's uh, aside from the, the setup in, in proximity with Maine, do you think in general it's been harder for athletes to get recruited and get a scholarship because of COVID, the, the recruiting pipeline, the transfer portal, and the advancement of the game or has it been easier because of social media and the other tools yeah that's a great question um i want to i want to relate i think i want to lean towards tougher and it's because i i think especially for like class of 2022s and class of 2023s um you know colleges are kind of i wouldn't say behind but they're just limited with the amount of scholarships they can give out and so that that limits that window of opportunity for you. And I think you're going to see more players from class of 2023. And I mean, maybe even 2024 it might trickle down. I think you'll see them recruit earlier than you've ever seen players or excuse me, um, um, commit earlier than you've ever seen players commit just because of the, the lack of scholarships that are available with the transfer portal and everything else. So, yeah, man, I, I think it's a little bit tougher right now. How do you have I'm sure you have those conversations with parents who think their son or daughter is D1, but they're really D2. How do, yeah. how do you manage that? Yeah, that's tough. Um, I think it's understanding the parent just loves their athlete, you know, the child and, and helps, you know, and they like, so I think when I was younger, I kind of always took it as they were challenging me or maybe like, you know, they were just like a little, you know, a little out of tune and they didn't know, but I think it's usually, usually it's from a loving place. They just want what's best for their child. And I think if you have that, that conversation and you communicate and you help them understand you're there for your child. And it's not the level that matters. It's not division one through division three. It's being able to play the game that you love because if you're a division one player and you're sitting on the bench for four years, that's, that's, it's not fun. We, we all do the sport to play it, you know? And so I, I really try to help them understand it's, it's not the level it's where their child is going to impact the game the most, I think. What did you, so your suggestions when it comes to running a, a great showcase. So I have a guy who's been talking to me about running a showcase in March. We have March Madness down here, the first and second week and uh, of, of March, in the first and second rounds, I'm sorry. And we're talking about running a showcase. And I thought, man, I know a great person to ask about this who has a fresh perspective, who's done his research, I already know. But what are your suggestions for running a great showcase? Um. I think I think it's about it's about putting the athletes in the best position to get recruited and seen and exposure. Uh, you know, I'm not really sure of your your area and maybe what you know, you know what I mean, like what you guys have to go up against. I think for us, it's just understanding that um, in my state, kids have to 
you know, 70% of my state is, is forestry, you know, it's like woods and trees. And so like everything's so far apart. And so kids have to travel sometimes seven, eight hours just to get out of the state and get to the nearest tournament that they could be recruited by, you know, and then financially, like we're a pretty poor state. And so I think it's just understanding what can you do to help the majority of those kids get recruited. For me, um, you know, and I, I don't know if this is something you ever want to put out there, but for me, I have my own recruiting website. So we do rankings, exposure, and then we create profiles for the athletes. So like, you know, everyone that attends the showcase, they have a chance to get into our player profiles where then I use my connections, my contacts, and I'm the bridge between parent, player, and then coach. And I do all the work. And so now I can, you know, number one, get the kid, you know, more exposure, get them in front of more eyes or in front of people. But then number two, I help educate and under, help them understand, like, this is the route you want to take. These are the type of tournaments you want to be in. You know, these are the things you want to do to give your chance, to give your your uh, kid the best possible chance to get recruited. I know it's a long-winded answer, but I think just knowing where you live, what are the disadvantages, the advantages, and then kind of like helping kids navigate through those, if that makes sense. It does make sense. And I'm, I'm curious, so I kind of going, I'm going to jump all over the place just so you know, because <laughs> I've got no, Ready. our last two podcast episodes from our personal conversations, my notes, I've I had somebody else listen to the interviews and, and, and tell me what they thought was interesting. So I'm pulling from a lot of different places, but okay. for you personally, are you still an avid reader, man? When we talked about the 21 irrefutable laws of leadership. We talked about the richest man in Babylon. We talked about so many books that you and I both read and taken action on. Do you still read as avidly? Not, not as much now, I'll be honest with you. Uh, I've been very busy the last year and a half. And um, I mean, I'll, I mean, I'm a big podcast person. So if that counts as, as reading, I mean, you know, I still think you devour so much information. Um, but it's tough, man. Like, I, like a couple of years ago, I started having a really hard time. And I, I heard you say this to Mike, like knowing like the time to t- it takes to read an entire book and then be able to navigate what you can pull out of it. Like, there's a lot of a fat in a book that you just don't need, honestly. And, and it's so, it's just so much time to be able to sit down, listen or read, you know, a book takes hours and then maybe get one or two things. So, so for me, I'm so busy. It's what can, how can I use my time better? And, and so now with podcasts, with, I mean, obviously YouTube, you can just go on and kind of like really reach out to, I guess, specifically what you're trying to look for. So I think I'm in that kind of, um, point in my life right now. And so I, I, I would say not a big reader, but still a, a huge learner, of course. Uh, I, I get that I like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a great way to put it. And since we've spoken the last time, that was four years ago, which is crazy on the interview. And you kept mentioning numbers and I didn't realize it. And I'm, I'm glad now I didn't realize it then like I do now, but there's so much that is packed into. And you actually said it but it's one thing to say it and then another to actually show somebody because at that point in my career, I needed to be shown what it actually meant to have QuickBooks, to look at a bank statement, to actually know what it means to understand your numbers versus a group and an individual. For you, something that you mentioned that, so all that being said, that made a big impact on me when you were talking about that. And now I talk about it a lot, as you you, you have heard, but you talked about questioning during that last interview, you mentioned like the quality of your questions is huge. Yeah. How have you grown in the quality of your questions? And has there been any other facet that you think you've grown in exponentially since that last interview? Yeah, that's that's a really good question. Um, 
yeah, I think I think you're. I, I don't know where I got it from. Maybe Tony Robbins, but it was the que- the quality of your questions determine the quality of your life. Um, and I love that. Like that was that was something that was really impactful for me because I think the older I get, the more I realize like time is so valuable, man. You know what I mean? Like, and the more that you can, the more you can allocate your time and use it wisely, the more you can start to impact people. And so for me, it's I think for the questions side of it, it's just being able to, and this is stuff I've learned from like being around Tyler Ralph and different trainers. It's like, how can I get from A to B, you know, instead of A to uh, B doesn't work, A, C doesn't work, A, O, D there, that like, that's what's going to help us. Um, you know, and when I was younger, like for an example, I'll be, tr- I would be training a player and I would try to figure out how I can connect with them right away to go from like what they were doing wrong to how to fix it, to, you know, how to implement it. And it would take multiple attempts to help convey my, you know, what I was trying to say. And, and so I think being able to get more clear with what you want and, and understand who you're speaking to and, you know, maybe what their goals are and how they learn. I think all of that just helps you kind of be able to improve your quality of questions. Got that. And you, I, I know one time you've said to your trainees, I don't know if you still say it now that, if you're not here to be number one, you're in the wrong place. Yeah. And you've always had this interesting balance to me of generosity and altruism and an abundance mindset, but also like straight dog when it comes to competing and yeah. wanting to win, you know, what does that look like for you now? That little tug of war, that spectrum. It's very hard. Uh, we spoke about this a lot because as, as a player, you know, you're a competitor. You've grown up all your life passionate for, you know for me obsessed with the game of basketball and and then you're you're going into another venture where now you're having to be a relationship kind of you know you have to ha- you have to understand relationships now and so I think as a competitor you're just kind of trying to win trying to help your team and the most relationships maybe you're trying to help is your teammates and you know now you're impacting people and you're impacting their families and their legacy and you know, like there's so much. And so for me, I mean, I think it's just understanding that like, I wanna, I'm here to push you to be your best. I'm here to help you become the best player that you can be. And, you know, for, for players, if it could be different for everyone, but if, if you're here to be, you know, a division one player or a pro, or, you know, wanna make varsity, you know, for some people that takes a lot more work and it's just being real with them and helping them understand that. But yeah, like, I'm, I'm trying to win. (laughs) I'm trying to like, like I'm not doing this to, because that's not the best, you know, that's not pushing myself to be my, my best, you know, and I think as a player, I always tried to do that. I always tried to get the most out of who I was because I loved basketball so much, you know, God blessed me with a, a couple gifts. And for me, it was, okay, how can I take those gifts and how can I, you know, um, be the best that I can be with those gifts. And I think it's the same thing as a trainer. Like, you know, we all have gift, gifts, we all have strengths. How can we, how can we number one, be our best, but then push the players that have entrusted us with their game and, you know, what they're trying to do to be their best. So there is, there's a, a balance, but I mean, yeah, I'm trying to win. There's it's last I checked basketball still has a scoreboard. So trying to win. And it's hard with this. You can have so many different competitions and so many different prizes here. One may be some people may just look at it from a fiscal standpoint. It's just money. Some may look at it as how many D1 players have I put in 
to 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 school to train and so it's hard to really compete against other trainers per se because the scoreboard isn't always publicized like i don't know people's books unless you just share them and i don't know how many athletes you, you've touched so for, for me it's been a shift in competing against other people which i kind of do but i don't have as much of a a drive towards that now it's like you said it's it's just personal optimization so along that lines how do you plan now i mean i know you are, are, are a planner like you used to plan to the t every month every single thing what does it 2022 look like what are the big plans for you and your your companies yeah i had a i had a mentor when i was in this company one time he said show me your schedule and i show you your results in life um, you know, show me your schedule over the next 30 days and I'll show you your results in the next 30 days in your life. And so for me, it goes back to, you know, really valuing your time. I, I want to, I have a really good routine right now that I've, I've really worked hard at being able to perfect in 2021, um, where I travel so much. I travel all across the state and train, you know, I've, I have different gyms now. Um, you know, I do, you know, been to recruiting. I do so many different things. And so for me, I think what I'm most, you know, what I'm most happy about um, was I've really worked on widening my margins, right, with my business and I have no debt. So I've, I've taken all my, I've paid, you know, my car's all paid off and the credit card's all paid off. Um, so I'm going into 22 with the largest margins I'll ever have. And then obviously no debt. And it just sets me up, I think, to really be able to uh, from my gross income, be able to have, you know, a, a higher net income where I can take that percentages of that and then put it into other things that obviously are going to keep growing the business and, you know, doing more of the long-term things that I want to do. So those are a couple just, they don't sound very big, but no debt and higher margin, larger margins are um, very big little things that I don't think a lot of people um, try to try to look at and they need to. I agree wholeheartedly. Did you do the, yeah. debt, the Dave Ramsey debt-free screen when you <laughs> paid it all off? <laughs> yeah. Dave Ramsey had this little thing where they they do like a little ah debt-free thing, and I, I I didn't do it, but I, I Dave Ramsey was helpful for me in terms of that's awesome. You know, getting rid of the rid of the debt, but it, it's it's so much it's so hard, man. Like when I when I had the credit card debt, I was buying courses, I was trying to learn so many things and I thought I would get my money back really quickly from those courses, which is not always the case because you have to put the work in afterwards and there's this euphoria of buying stuff. And then with the cars, like I didn't even understand, like I didn't know what an APR was. I didn't know that I really can't afford this car because it costs, I can afford the payments, but not the actual car. You got so, it. Like, what do you, what is that? What role does that play in a lot of trainers lives i'm going to ask you about this gym situation this gym thing yeah. <laughs> soon but the personal finances how important is that for a trainer it's huge you know um because i don't think i don't think a lot of people understand that they that you have to pay yourself but some people think that just paying their expenses like their car is paying themselves and you know it's it's uh it's everything man and and it, yeah it can disrupt you because our our industry is so cyclical like you know there's great moments there's low moments there's a lot of players you know you're in season time and so you know if you're just riding off of oh i can pay my my monthly car payment you know your numbers could drop you might not make as much you know november and december and then you know now you make that same car payment and you you get through it but then january comes around and now you have you know less money in the bank and now you got to 
hey, I got to get this camp going. And it's just stressful too. It's, you know, so it's, yeah, I mean, understanding your numbers um, from, yeah, it's everything. It's everything. That, man, and one thing you mentioned with, the last time we spoke was opportunity cost and operating capacity. Like, hey, you don't have all these one-on-one training times. However, if you did a clinic, you can have a lower price point, more people, you're recruiting, and you can have more for that session than you would with a private training. So for you, I don't know what time you spend on the recruiting agency versus the actual training. I love like the growth into the holistic approach to helping the, the athletes, not just like training and skill development, because there's so much more to their overall development. But how do you still believe, how do you still view that? Is it, I want to run 14 camps in the summer again, or yeah. do you have a different mindset in terms of the opportunity costs and how you spend your time with training? Yeah, that's such a great question. Loaded question too, because in the yeah. past two years, and I'm, sometimes I get so long-winded when I answer these type of questions because I'm very passionate about this because I've made a lot of mistakes in this specific question. For me, um, obviously I'm 30, you know, two boys, um, another one on the way. And so, um, you know, time, time for me with my family is very important, um, but, but I, I love what I do, you know, and I've, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I really enjoy what I do and I love helping the kids that trust me with their game. I think why I did the recruiting part of it, it was because I, when my boys get older, I, I want to go to their games. I don't want to be, you know, having to, to be stuck on a court to make money. Um, you know, as much as I love it, you know, there's more important priorities for me in my time. And, and so, you know, the recruiting piece now, as I continue to build that up, you know, that builds um, a passive income and that builds um, a way for me to be able to, um, you know, not always have on court time. Um, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm having to do right now and I've had to do in the past that will lead to a long-term bigger picture. Um, you know, but, but the name of the game is, is obviously not putting your eggs, all your eggs in one basket, because at the end of the day, if you have to be on the court to make money, uh, you're going to be limited and you won't be able to grow as fast. You won't be able to grow as much. And so, um, opportunity cost by getting your own gym space, you know, by being able to, uh, have different avenues, different streams of income, um, you know, that can just obviously number one, help you with your time. Right. But obviously be able to help you, um, be able to help you not make more money, um, but be able to have a passive income to where you don't have to rely on making money in just one way. Hopefully that's a better, a good way to say it. No, that's, that's a great way to say it because it's similar to what Shane Hennon was talking about. I'm not sure if you got a chance to listen to that one. I just listened to it yesterday. Yep. I'm on yeah, it. Much. I'm on it. Yeah. It's crazy, man. Like, I don't know how you make time, but I do know how you make time. It's, 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 it's appreciated. And he, I mean, I, I spoke to Shane. I met him maybe two days before the podcast. I'm just like, hey, you want to jump on? And he, and he did. And he had interesting insight in terms of IG reels and spending his time on social media and the ability to make some money without having to be in the gym so he can go home and watch Netflix with his wife. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and that's real. It's the same thing you're saying there too. How have you viewed social media as of late in the last year, two years? Yeah. And let me say, before I get real quick into that social media, I, I enjoy being on the court as well. Like just last Sunday, I was work. I, I was on the court for 14 hours. Um, yeah. Like I, I'm, I'm, I love it. Like I'm, I'm obsessed with it. I love it. I love packing, 
you know, the court, the, the, my own gym out. Um, but there are times where, you know, I have other things that I have to do, or I want to go to my kids games someday. Like, I don't want to be stuck only having to do that. You know what I mean? And so being able to have your own gym space and being able to have these different avenues and things where you can grow and build, that's what can, you know, just obviously keep me balanced with my time and, you know, where I can put it and where I can allocate it. But with social media, I'm not going to lie to you. I've been all week thinking about how I can answer this question um, because I don't have the time. And like I told you this, I have so much respect for the Shanes, the Mikes, the J-Laws, the Ryans, like, um, you know, um, oh, uh, P, the Peters, nine, you know, 910 training. Like, I have so much respect for all these guys because, like, if you go to my Instagram, other than major, like, you know, achievements or things that I'm, I'm proud of, the kids that I work with or, like, my, you know, my sponsorships that I have, I'm not really posting, like, a lot of material or content un- unless it's, like, on my stories. Um, Facebook, I post a lot because, you know, it's, little bit little different marketing thing that for Facebook than Instagram but um like I really don't post that much and it's I don't have the time I I you know like spend half my day with my family uh or I'm checking emails or I'm you know getting money making activities and doing things that are leading towards camps and showcases and then I'm on the court the second half of the day or I'm at the gym or I'm driving to a, a place where I'm training so like you know for me my day is I get back at midnight I wake up at seven and it's like I, I don't know where I would be able to do it. So maybe I'm at the point where I need to start hiring someone, but then it comes to the point of like, do I want someone else being me? Like my voice on, on social media, I don't, and I don't know how that looks. That's again, this is a new avenue for me that I've never been a part of. And maybe I can reach out to one of these guys soon and figure that out. But dude, social media is, I feel like there's so much now, you know, like you got Instagram, you got Facebook, you got TikTok, you got uh, you know, your normal training, you've got, you know, your online programs, if you want to do that. And then you got, what's it, uh, you know, you got Twitter, like for my recruiting service, you know, Twitter's huge for coaches. And then, oh, what's the other one that like, you, you do that? See, I don't even know. Is it community? Uh, you mean clubhouse? Clubhouse. Oh, community, yeah. community, community clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. There's community. Yes. Yeah, that's, that's me sounding old as you know, what being 30, not even knowing what, um, you know? And so, so then you got clubhouse. So there's so much now it's like, dude, I can't be doing all of this. And, and if you don't go in on it all, you won't be successful, honestly, you know? So it's hard, man. It really is. It, it's so interesting hearing you talk about that because I mean, I, I you were heavy, on IG, heavy on Snapchat. I mean, because I know Snapchat has helped you grow your, your business. And something does have to give, you know, if you want to do, you can't, it's hard to do all these things. That's it, right? Yeah. So I, I was just always curious, like, what what did you replace it with? Like, maybe it was recruiting. Maybe it was the more time with your family. Maybe it's an extra hour of sleep. You know, like, what are you replacing that with? Yeah, I would say, I would say it definitely is uh, more, you know, in the business, like with different, different avenues, like the Bentier recruiting, like my main top 30 camps showcases. Um, and for me, what I noticed with, with social media, which is why I still am very heavy on Facebook, I believe with my stuff on like my business page, but not like Instagram and TikTok. What for me was so hard and I still have trouble figuring it out was in Maine, we're so far away from everyone, you know, we're kind of secluded. And so it was very hard for me to know what to post because there'd be things I'd post about like, shout out to this athlete for scoring this amount of points. People in Maryland are like, 
we don't care. <laughs> you know, we don't care about that. But everyone in Maine is like, oh, that we know who that is. Like, that <laughs> work with Ben, you know, so there was this such a strange dynamic that I still have not been able to figure out where, you know, I have such a big following because of years ago, you know, diving in. Um, but my retention, you know, my engagement is so bad because it's like, I, I post stuff about my, my state, people outside of the state, we don't care, post stuff about outside of the state. And it kind of looks like I'm just this kind of clickbaity trainer that just, you know, posts a bunch of pictures of NBA players, which who's the best three point shooter. Like it's, you know, it's very general and it doesn't have any help to my business or my brand. And so I'm in that like tween spot where it's very hard to navigate it, I think as well. Right. Then you have stories like the, what's the, the young lady from Indiana? She's like Chloe. Chloe, right. Like, I mean, that's crazy. Like first girl I ever worked with, and I met her through a hashtag. It was my first month in ever starting my business. Met her through a hashtag, went through it like some website back then because hashtags were new. Um, and her mother messaged me, it was Ball is Life or something. Hashtag mother messaged me, gave her an online program, never had done that before, just like an email, like circle wraps times five, you, you know, like. And from then to now, we are like family and she's top 20 in the nation in her class. And it's just like, it's nuts, man. She's incredible too. It's a wild story. And it kind of goes back to the power of social media at the same time. There are sacrifices that need to be made that honestly may not be worth it. Like, I, I wonder how many guys, and I, you know, I'll be honest, I used to have a a judgmental mindset towards this. I don't know whether it was like insecurity, it was a jealousy, but just knowing that there were people, there are people who spend so much time on social media and I always wonder, what is the benefit for you? Like, how is this really gaining you? Now, sometimes you do meet the Chloe's, but other times it's like, yeah, I got more engagement on this post, but I don't even have an online program. So like for, for you, I'm curious, do you still work or have any kind of intention to do anything online to help those athletes do you still travel like you did before out of town uh, yeah I, I think I think it's where you're at in your journey I think it's it deals a lot with like where you live um I think it deals with obviously your goals and and you know maybe your long-term vision for me and like I told you this four years ago like I had no idea where I wanted to go with training. It was like, it was very, very selfish, very self-absorbent, like, you know, narcissistic, egotistical. I just want to build the biggest brand. And it was like, okay, well, what does that mean? <laughs> you know? And, and it was like, oh, I'll get this player to this successful level. And, you know, it was very like one dimension. And so like, I had no long-term picture or idea. And, and I mean, I was young, I was like 25 then, you know, I was young and it was brand new. And, you know, you're just excited to still probably be a part of basketball, but now, when you get, you know, now I'm a little older and, you know, I have a family and you just, you've been doing it for a while that you start to really, I think, get a good idea of what is your strengths, you know, and what you're very good at and what is best for where you live. And so for me, like, you know, we have so many kids and so we have so much talent, but we just don't get the same kind of platform that everyone else gets. And so, you know, for me, it's using my social media for the kids in our state because, well, number one, from a business standpoint, that is the best ROI for me. You know, it's like, like it's a, I have to build a brand and an image here because I'm in every part of the state every single week. And so, you know, it, it makes more sense for me to use my social media for that to, you know, kind of exalt those kids on a higher platform uh, than, you know, try to, try to get attention from someone in New York where my time 
isn't going to be, unless I charge a crazy amount, like my time isn't going to be worth going all the way out there. Um, you know, and, and, and that's just how it's been going. And it's, it's worked out really well. Now the Chloe's and, you know, maybe some of the people that I have in, in those, like I'm always traveling to them every couple of months and who knows, you know, maybe someday something will come about that. But for me, it's, I'm very big on the relationships and, um, you know, I'm very loyal to day ones. And, um, you know, we, we have a good understanding of just like right now, trying to get them to where they want to be. And who knows, like maybe someday something else will come up about it. But um, yeah, I think it's just allocating my time to the best needs fit right now. Is your, you said something about, about it being worth worth the time and, and being a smart investment of your time. Uh, curious, are you do, you, do you still charge the same out of town training fee that you had in the past? Yeah, so this was, was what I was hoping you'd ask. I've started to get into a very good routine, made a lot of mistakes, earned a lot of bridges, lost a lot of clients over the years, um, constantly just, just messing up my schedules and over-promising and being insecure, you know, trying to over-please people and then not being able to follow through with it. Um, for me, for anyone that doesn't know, I, I go to a different part of my state uh, every single day. And I do that on a reoccurring weekly basis. And, you know, for, for a good understanding of how much I travel, I have a four-year car, right? And I have 233,000 miles on it. So I'm roughly in the car, yeah, four, anywhere from two and a half to four or five hours every day, right? Yeah. And so my routine that I really started understanding it down was, you know, it's insane for me to change my prices in every area. Like it's insane for me to be able to keep a hold of all that. So I have my private, you know, uh, price, you know, my small group uh, price, my team, you know, price. And, and I've understood how much it, for the most part, takes to travel up there, blah, blah, blah. Like, so that's like quick. I understand that. But where I've been able to really use my time the best is I take specific hours for private lessons one-on-one, -on -one, specific hours for group, you know, um, groups. And then I have what's, what are called my academy classes. And those are always my last two hours in those areas. And so now what happens is I have a chunk of time where it's about, let's say four hours, where I dedicate it to weekly groups, you know, and they have been with me for years on a weekly basis. So that's reoccurring, you know, money coming in. I have my privates where are usually, let's be honest, like, your, your very advanced, you know, your best players that um, obviously might have the highest aspirations, will have scholarship offers, whatever else. And then I have my academy classes where our number one, you get players from all across the area, right? And then also you can start to say, okay, this is the one out of these classes that really take it serious. Let's plug in them into this small group. Or, hey, you know, like in the summers when there's not school, you we need to get you into a private lesson. And so for me, it's I've been able to really, really use my time very efficiently. And I've been able to use it in a way where I continue to grow, not just maybe the brand where I, and I'm very passionate about this, getting kids into the, the levels they want or to become the player they want. But also I give, you know, um, different classes that can get the most out of each player because that's the honest truth. Like not everyone you need to work with needs to have a one-on-one. -on -one. That's just, you know, a, a fourth grader, it's, you know, it's second year in the basketball, you don't need to have a one-on-one -on -one, dude. Like let's get you into an academy class. You, you know, fundamentals is what you need. The basics is what you need. And then, Hey, in a year, if you're or like, you know, five months, whatever, if you're really starting to get it down, 
yeah, we can loop you in and we can figure out something else. And so um, the most challenging part for me, and I'll, I'll wrap this up, is I'm only in these areas for the most part one to two days a week, you know? So it's like the hardest part was being able to understand schedules in such a different seasonal sport that we're in where you have AAU or uh, what did Ryan call it? Club, club team, right? AAU club team, you have your season, you know, and then you have that downtime. It's like the hardest part for me has been able to have um, days where over the years I understood, okay, this is the day in this area that most kids are free. And then you just, you get a good group, man. And it's worked out for the last few years. Honestly, I know it sounds crazy, but it's worked out. And man, you, <laughs> that's going to be a snippet. You got to, got to post because I don't think people, even with you mentioning how many miles you have in your car and yeah. the hours you're in, in the car on a daily basis, like if you, if you explain your schedule, it would be crazy. Yeah, crazy. And I guess my curiosity would be, how do you, how have you evolved with your conversations with the gyms to make sure that you have the, the that gym time scheduled out, have a contract, have some kind of agreement? I remember one time you were talking about the Tony Robbins uh, the self-talk exercise on the way to your personal negotiations, being hyped, like I am a leader, I'm going to get this, the deal that I need. Like, how have you evolved from that point to the conversations with the gyms now to make sure you have consistency to be able to offer these classes on a recurring basis? Dude, I think, so for me, I'm a big strategist. Like I have to, it's, it's crazy. I, I realize this now. I didn't realize it when I was younger, but for me, I got to like be able to have my information for the most part lined up to feel like I have enough going into a conversation to like be, you know, just be confident about it. And I've gotten better at it. I used to be so like that, um, that like, it would almost like I would have fear and anxiety from it because I'm like, I don't know enough. Like I won't be able to get my point across. Little did I know, just going to the meeting, like kind of trying to like, you know, you could, you could have a no, you could have, they could say no, like you're getting better, you know, and over my like years in the business. Now I think I have enough confidence of just doing it so much. I know what I'm looking for. I know what I'm trying to have and what's best for my business. So um, yeah, man. And that's what I was saying the last few years before, like after COVID is when I changed everything, but before COVID I had no like leases. I had no contracts with gyms it was like oh we're here this week this day cool let's go to this gym and you know like margins were very great I almost paid nothing but like being able to keep up with the schedule was insane and you change days on kids and parents and you force them to have to you know constantly keep a hold of the gym space and so you know now again this was don't know why I didn't do it years ago um you know now I do have contracts in place with different gyms all across the state um, where I have obviously ownership, I lease, you know, I lease or I own percentage of the, of the gym, the square footage of the facility. And, uh, you know, so now I do have that, that passive income that when I am in this part of the state on Wednesday, I still have this gym that's, you know, we have memberships, we have, uh, classes, we have open gym, we have men's league, we have different things going to where now I'm having more passive income from that. So it's definitely evolved to where I can do more with my time just by being smarter and, and getting a, a home base, a one location that you don't have to constantly switch your schedule from. So did you get a, a, a lawyer to look at a contract like that? Or is that just like you studying and, and learning from other people? Yeah, no, you do. You do. Yeah. You, I was for sure. I recommend a lawyer on any contract. Got you. What is, let's talk about this, uh, 
so many different ways to go. I was going to ask about how, you know, time at home with your wife, you made, you made a comment to me one time, you said time at home with your wife has helped you be more intentional and present with your, with your trainees. Yeah. Uh, we're there now, but like, can you, can you explain that, how that has helped you being a family man? How has that helped you in your training life as well? Yeah. Do you remember what I said specifically? I think you, you said, I don't have it verbatim, but you said, being because we were talking about my, my friend passing about time being a thief and how you know this COVID the pandemic made you just focus more on being present and being at home with your wife and, and putting your phone up while you whereas you may have been DMing athletes and just doing what you've done and being kind of similar to what Mike Mike Dunn was talking about with prospecting and getting back to people but yeah. you've you've put that aside in a sense in some ways and been more present with your wife and your family not saying Mike Dunn doesn't do that. But no, for sure. That's helped you out in terms of being more present with your trainees, with your athletes in your training business. 100%. It's made me do the things I need to do. You know, I think before I wasted a lot of time and I let messages pile up. I let, you know, so now being, you know, yeah, and I was, I would, you know, I was the culprit. And it, it realistically, if I'm being honest with myself, it wasn't that I didn't have the time. I just put it off, you know, or maybe had anxiety and then things built up and then you're like, you don't even know where to start kind of. So for me, like I said, I have a really good routine. Uh, I don't, you know, I don't let messages pile up. I'm very good at answering people back right away. Um, I think also maybe more self-sabotage back then. I didn't have a long-term vision. I didn't really know where I was going. I was, I was one of the first ones in my state to do travel training like I do. So like there was times where I had no idea where I was going with this. And I think I let messages pile up and stuff because I just, you know, honestly, who knows, just didn't wanted to get rid of some locations. I thought I was too busy, but yeah, I, I mean, for me, I, I get home at midnight you know, I check on my family when I wake up, like, you know, we have our niece here today. Like, you know, I, I get to wake up, I get to play with them. You know, we have fun, we run around the house, we go outside, we go do errands. Um, you know, my family, time is very, very important to me um, because that's what, that is what's most important. You know, at the end of the day, the, as, as much as I love the kids I work with, if I, if I'm gone, eventually I'll find somebody else to work with. You know, my boys have one dad, that's it, you know? And, and, and so that, that, that is what mo matters most to me with my wife. Uh, you know, she's a superstar, man. Like we have a very, we have very good communication. She's constantly letting me know, like, yo Ben like we miss you you know and it's like all right, I gotta switch some stuff around like gotta spend some time more time here and I mean life I heard it from Andy Minio one time you know life is life is a game of tug of war like you're constantly living within the tension of giving these people this time and giving these people this time and you know there's times where you miss that balance and you know maybe I'm working too much or um, you know you know maybe I'm maybe I'm at home a little too much you know maybe I'm Trying to let the business not, you know, I'm not taking things care of things there, but my wife has always, we've always been a very solid team and always been able to communicate and she understands. I mean, I'm very lucky. I thank God that I have someone that she knows how much I'm obsessed with basketball and it is a passion of mine and I love it. And, you know, you know, she, she, she loves that I have that in my life as well, because it means a lot to me. And so do the kids that I work with. And so I think it's just understanding, you know, just having that communication, man. And, and again, going back to valuing your time, I think that's the biggest thing I can help anyone with using it wisely. What do you, I mean, when it comes to, cause we had a, we had a pretty, okay. Before I ask this, uh, someone asked, Chrisica Harper asked, how did you go about finding uh, an attorney? 
Yeah, uh, I mean, you just you could you could Google, you could reach out. Um, you know, I, I work with with parents that put me in the right direction. You know, you could talk to some parents, and um, and then also the woman that uh, for for the ownership of my gym, uh, the woman that brought the opportunity to me. Um, you know, she, she has her own firm. So she put me in place with people and, um, you know, there's someone that there are people I trust. Um, so, I mean, I think, I think you could just Google it nowadays, man, uh, go online. There's, there's gotta be a way you could do that. So hopefully, hopefully that helps. And one more, I'll, I'll answer this one. Well, actually I'll, I'll ask it. And then I want to ask you about the gym, more details on the gym, uh, specifically. And I think that'll carry us out with access got loaded questions on the on the gym uh, yeah angle but travel training how did you structure your pricing for mileage time on the road for your other locations she just received some interest from a, a few students an hour away but what were you, what was your mindset on that yeah so uh back then back then it was trial and error you know it was believe it or not i would lose a lot of money at the very first few years because for me it was i had a long-term goal um, after COVID where I, I think I always had the long-term goal, just didn't know how to like put it into words or, or understand it very well. But I knew that I wanted to reach every part of my state so that I could then be able to have access to players all across the state. And then you can start building opportunities through that, you know, and then you have something that not anyone else has for me, because my state's very small. Um, you know, we're not like a New York. So um, I had a long-term goal, even though I maybe not have known it back then. Um, but for pricing, it was like, just trial and error, you know, you, you set, you know, for me, it was, I remember my, so we talked a while ago, I used to love the private stuff. I felt like, like with Mike, I felt like it kind of differentiated me from a lot of trainers, but then I realized like, man, like there's only 24 hours in a day, you know, and if I'm traveling all these different places, you know, not like I, I, I'm not able to use that time. And then you get burnt out, but you're not using your time as well as you could. So for me, it was just, um, you know, trial and error. But if I can, can I go ahead and get into the ownership of the gym? Because I think this will help answer that question better. Please, please do, man. Because yes, go ahead. Let's do it. So I, I was at this gym for about a year. Um, I'll travel to it every Thursday. And uh, eventually a, the woman that owned the whole facility came up to me. And she's like, listen, I'm a cheerleading coach. I do the gym stuff. Like, what do you think about owning your own gym? And I was like, I was like, yeah yeah like let's get it and she's like yeah so so basically like I got very lucky she had everything in place email list structure gym was built everything like I mean she had like she's been doing it for two years so like she has AAU teams in there she's got open memberships and she everything carried over to me so it's like I didn't have to start with no like zero market I didn't have to start with debt I didn't have to like I have my lease and the lease includes obviously capital expenses, security, trash removal. So we have snow, so snow removal, Wi-Fi, heat, electricity. I have that every month, first of the month. That's it. I had nothing else to worry about. And so I got very, very lucky. But that's the opportunity you get when you have these contracts with these different places. And something that I have always said in these contracts was, if you decide to get rid of the gym, sell the gym, you don't want to be a part of the gym, I get first dibs on, you know, moving in. And if I can do it, perfect. If I can't, no. So that's all, all my contracts with every facility gym that I lease out or give a percentage to every single month. Um, 
And, and so with that now, let me give you this. This is what I learned and this is what's helped me. So um, you have to understand your operational hours. You have to understand your opportunity cost. You have to understand your margins. So let me let me do this real quick. And I want to really make sure that I don't mess this up because this is this is big. And I think this can help a lot of people. Um, where I started was, you know, what was what was my lease, right? So I, I leased the gym. I have this X amount of rent every month. And, you know, that's like, that's what I got to focus on. Um, then I got to create a target. Like, you know, how, like how many kids can I have in our operational hours and how many operational hours do I need to be able to cover that expense. Um, and, you know, I think I have it down here was, you know, for us, it's like three to nine. That's where we're the busiest in my gym every single day, um, you know, Monday through Sunday. So, you know, we do 42 hours a week of operational time times 4.3, you know, normal, you know, out, you know, that's the weeks in a month, you get 180 operational hours for me, right? So now it's like, okay, that's, we take 5,000, you know, or 4,000 or 3,000, whatever your, your lease is, you know, we divide it by 180, right? And then that's how much you can break even. And that's how much you need to make per hour to be able to break even, right? Does that make sense so far? And so if we it take- It does, no, I'm glad you're going through the actual math and the process of it. So I'm, I'm all ears. Dude, because, and, and I'm, again, being a, a, you know, that, you know, that strategic, you know, strategic guy, it's like, for me, when I heard the, the number of like, for example, just let's say 4,000, when I heard 4,000 a month, or it was like, you know, whoa. But then when you start to break it down, for me, it was like, oh, okay. Like, you know, so if we, if we divide 180 or 5,000, 4,000, let's say 5,000, you divide 5,000 by 180, that's 28 an hour to break even. Now you're like, you know, from three to nine, 28 hours or $28 every hour to break even. Like, that's not bad. If I got to get $28 every hour to break even, I mean, I could do that. But then, you know, what I, what I tell people is, you're a business owner, you know, you got to be able to make money, not just break even. And so, you know, and you're not always hundred percent at capacity. So for me, I think worse comes worse. Like, you know, let's go 50%. Let's say you hit your nut 50% of the time. Uh, you multiply by two instead of 28, 56. So you got to make $56 per hour from three to nine, right. Every single day to be able to break even, um, you know, service-based industry, we usually 10 to 30% margins, let's just say 20%, um, or let's just say 10%. So you take, you know, if you took 10% margin, $60 an hour. So I need to make $60 an hour. And that's my private price. If, you know, that's why I have my prices like that now. Uh, you know, you need to make $60 an hour to be from three to nine to be able to uh, break even. So now you can start to play around with stuff. Well, I don't need to do privates every single hour. So now I got groups, okay? So if I need to make $60 an hour for a group, I could cap it at six kids. It's 10 bucks a kid. Who's not going to join that? You know, and I'm not saying you have to do that, but it's giving you an idea. You don't got to charge these. And that's what I thought. Like I had to charge these ridiculous prices to be able to make money, to be able to, you know, no, like you can really offer some, some quality stuff, you know, and group prices to where like you can really make this thing work. And, you know, anyone can do their prices and do what they want. But like, I think, I think that gives you an idea of how much you can charge for rental, how much you can charge for groups, how much you can charge private, um, you know, and for me, man, knowing those numbers right there, like it has, it has catapulted my business to where this year after a pandemic, I have grossed the most I've ever done in my life um, by working, I think the least amount of hours I've ever worked. It's been insane. Wow. It, it is. And, you know, I think it's, 
I'm, I'm again, I'm super happy you broke that down because it's hard for people, like especially for me. Like I'm, I'm going through the budgets and sending it to the people and talking through it. Going from having to operate in this gym for one day and in that gym for another day, it's hard yeah. to fathom. Oh, I have one location for four hours every single weekday. This is the number of athletes I can have in this space. And doing that math and being realistic towards it, you see a five thousand, a four thousand, and realize like, oh, if I break it down to have a gym cost for sure. That's the fixed cost. And like you said earlier, which was huge, like you have to pay yourself yeah. as well or yeah. somebody who's going to be there too. Side note, that for me, I didn't realize I was, my numbers weren't even accurate because I didn't have myself on a salary. Same. So, oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, making, I'm making money, like, cool. But you don't have a W-2. You're not paying yourself, really, or, you know, or however anybody else pays themselves. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So my numbers were not real. They were not accurate. And paying for these expenses didn't constitute paying myself. Like that That's is it. Got it. huge fact, man. It's huge, man. So for you, you've gotten you've gotten that that math you shared out there. I, you know what's interesting? I like and I think it's crazy. I think you and I believe the same thing when it comes to price point and, and you seeing your prices, hearing your prices, and knowing that like you said Maine, the social demographic, the socioeconomic status is not like an LA or Miami where yeah. I think a lot of people are able to hide behind high prices. You know, yeah. it may not be necessarily good in business, but they have high prices. Yeah. Good margins, really. Yeah. Yeah. And that's most important. And I mean, they, I mean, I have my things where, you know, for me, I have my private pricing, like for $60, like, no, it's not 150 like I could in California. You know, but for me, uh, for here, $60 is, is the highest that anyone I think charges for private. Yeah. And so, and, and I, I think if you follow me, you'll see that the players I do work with one-on-one, -on -one, they do get very good results and they do continue to improve. And they, we have gotten players at very high levels that Maine has never seen before. So I feel like, you know, um, I, I just feel like you can also, you don't always have to have to just overprice things, you know, and there are kids out there that, their parents cannot cannot do thirty dollars fifty dollars per player for a group you know like dude get 10 15 dollars or 20 dollars get some young kids in there that just love basketball man you know like i'm telling you like and, and you listen let me say this this might be a soundbite too like you cannot you cannot overlook these moms man like the moms are the biggest supporters you will ever have i have got more clients from just happy mothers or fathers that go around and just like, they are your billboard signs. And it's all because I just treated the kid like a kid, man. <laughs> like, not like, oh, they're, they're a price point for this group that makes me money. It's like, you know, you get them in there, $15, $60, you're gonna get 100% of me. You're gonna get a great quality service. You're gonna have a relationship. You're gonna have fun. And like, that's the main thing, dude. If you take care of that, you'll make money. You can up your prices later. You can figure out if that's not worth your time anymore. Like, you know, but like it, it's, there's a bigger picture to it. I think it's, uh, hmm, I bet your attention is crazy too. Like for yeah. that yeah. price point. And I, I rather $60 50 times than 75, a hundred dollars, 10 times, 15 times. You know? I have, yeah, I have some players that have not missed a week in six years. Think about that. You know what I mean? And like, if we want to go, you, you know me, you know how much I'm into my numbers. Yep. Uh, I think it was 87% of the kids I work with uh, from seventh grade and up, right, have stuck with me for three years or more every week. You know what I'm saying? 
Wow. And so I don't know. Like we could we could play a game where you could tell me, all right, I charge two hundred dollars an hour. I can say I charge $60 an hour. And do you retain the same person? Do they do it every week? Do they do it twice a week for, you know, every month and every year? Or do they come once every now and again? And if you really look at it from a price standpoint over a long period of time, do you really with that athlete maybe make more than I do with this athlete? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. Who knows? But man, man, I, you're speaking what I've been feeling because I thought, man, I, you know, if you want to make more money, there's many ways to do it. You can increase your prices and get more trainees. You can create different services. And my thought is there are other ways besides increasing prices, especially of a discretionary service like this, a luxury service like this, that, yeah. you know, not everybody has the means to do. So I, I love to have that community and to have that longevity with these athletes to get the results. My, so my question for you is, I know we talk about a lot of things, but what is what advice does 30 year old Ben give the 25 year old Ben? Because we had a question, I had a question on my a social. If you know, if you knew then as a player what you know now as a trainer, how would you go back and change the way you practice train? Well, I'm asking you that question from the business perspective. What would you have changed back then? Get into your own space earlier. Like, don't let the fear of, of like the 5,000, 3,000 a month scare you because it did for me. Um, take care of your debt. There's something called a uh, debt to income ratio that I did not know about. Uh, yeah. And I tried to go to the bank several times and they're like, listen, you got a lot of debt right here. You might have this amount in the bank. But we don't care how much you have here if you have this much debt there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So get rid of your debt, um, get into a gym earlier. And I would say connect. I think me being so secluded up here, I kind of uh, stayed in my own lane and just kind of kept to myself. And it wasn't from like, I thought I was cooler than anyone else. It was just, you think that people don't really want to spend time helping. And there's a lot of people out there that do want to help and um, they take pride in helping. And they, you know, you, you know, figuring, you know, it's all about, man, at the end of the day, I think, I think most people do want to see others succeed. And so, like reach out to people. I wish there was a lot of stuff that I messed up on that I went the longer route just because I, I, I did it by myself. I didn't reach out. Like when I met Tyler Ralph and I went down to Texas, that changed everything in my business as well. You know, so and, and that opportunity was there for years, maybe with another trainer. I just didn't take advantage of it due to insecurity, lack of confidence or just thinking that I'm secluded up here and it's all on me. So I think those are three things I would tell myself, honestly. That's dope. Hey, is there anything else you would want to leave uh, with the audience? Not like we can't get them another podcast <laughs> sooner rather than later, not waiting four years next time. Hey, but anything just, you'd like to keep. Oh, I didn't even ask about the New Balance partnership. Golly. Yep. Yep. Let's, if you got time, man, let's talk about it. Sure. Oh, yeah. So how did that come about and what are, what are the benefits of that? Yeah. So um, for me, I've been trying to, to do different partnerships. I think I'm at the point where with, with so many gym spaces and so many athletes and so many different avenues that um, I, I wanted to be able to, number one, I wanted to be able to have someone that I could go through for my clothing, you know, cause for me going through the custom ink or promotique, it's like, bro, with, with, um, <laughs> with, with prices going up and, and, you know, so much stuff like that happening, it just, be, it's becoming ridiculous. Like it's, you know, this price point for a sweatshirt, then you got to turn around and have no margin and then you got to ship and you lose money. So for, I'm looking for someone, you know, obviously 
that I can partner with for that. New Balance is in our area. You know, New Balance has a hold on the state of Maine for the most part. Like our only Division One program goes to New Balance, and so I thought maybe being able to to get with them um, would would just be better for the brand, I think, and being from Maine. Um, and then there's this uh, evaluator I go through, and we, me and him are very close, and he signed with them, he partnered with them, and I'm, I just hit him up. I'm like, it kind of was like, I felt like it was God, you know, and I'm there. I hit him up, I'm like, bro, can you just give me that contact? I've been trying to get a hold of New Balance forever. I've been trying to make things happen. Gave me the guy's number, talked to the dude, he said no. The very first, you know, he was like, he was like, yeah, like, you know, we'll get you like, just let us know when you want to order product and we'll get you like this percentage off. And I was like, all right, man, months went by, started my Binti recruiting, got my own gym space, went back to him. And this is where I tell you, like, sometimes it's just growing. Sometimes, you know, you just maybe didn't pitch it the right way. And so I just laid it out. It was like, you know, when you get ripped at half court and like, then you come back and you're like, all right, yeah, let's get it. Like, let's go. All right, you go do it. That's what it was. Like, I got him on the phone. Listen, this is what I want. Like, this is what I do. Like, there's nobody that can like compete with. And he was like, all right, so what you want? <laughs> so, so yeah, with the new balance partnership, I get 40% off of, off of all product, which is huge for my margins. So instead of going through custom ink, paying $60 for a sweatshirt, right? Obviously, whatever new balance's price is bang 40% off, right? The more you order in bulk, obviously, the more the less you're going to pay per, per item. And so now I'm already saving money. And now my margins are better uh, for just, you know, my gear like this. And, um, but then they take care of that also applies to, you know, the jerseys I do for my camps and showcases, mm -hmm. versatile stuff that I do, um, you know, and, and et cetera, et cetera, everything else. Um, right. and, and then, I, and then I have a, um, an ambassador side of it where, whoever I get a part of, whoever get to join New Balance, obviously I get compensated for that, um, which is really dope. And then the third part is I get, you know, free new stuff. So I got right now some shoes that aren't out yet and kids see those and they're like, okay, coach, I see you. And you just, you start to, it's just a little bit of everything. So, you know, it's, it's big, man. But it, the biggest point is just the margins, honestly. Mm -hmm. They're gonna make you stop wearing that Nike. <laughs> <laughs> It's about to be a wrap. I'm getting, like I just told you, I'm getting through with all my inventory that I had before and then it all switches over. So I'm excited. 2020 is going to be fun. Coach, I got to run. I do want to continue the conversation, man. I appreciate you taking time and, and, you. and spreading your wisdom. Thank you as always. Thank you, man. Appreciate you. Yo, hope that podcast gave you some value. If it did, please rate, review, and subscribe to this. It only makes the podcast better. I read every single one. And at the very least, go join our group. You'll see the link in the description of this episode. And I will catch you on the next one.